Hi everybody, Lee Sales here. Crab and I recorded this podcast a couple of days ago and since then we received some really bad news which is that our dear friend Mark Colvin, the host of the ABC's PM radio program, died. He was a great friend to both of us and he was a very chat 10 sort of person. He loved books, journalism, eating and having a bloody big out of control laugh. Crab and I thought that he was the bee's knees and we dedicate this episode to his memory. I've got no mics. Hey! <laughs> yeah, party, party, party. Are we recording? Yeah, we are. Oh, Jesus, the wheels have fallen off the operation. But, like, I've been in Canberra working for a bit, so I'm in the priest hole and it's just like, it's just like a crazy person's office or home. It looks like... It's like a, a hoarder's paradise. There's like pairs of shoes everywhere. There's like um, just piles of books and. I keep expecting things. a cat to oh, I jump on my shoulder. It's a lot like that. That's what it looks uh, like. And yeah, it's a debacle because we've got no microphones and now um, Sales is just like holding her phone up to my mouth. <laughs> and it's her birthday! <laughs> Happy birthday to you! Oh Happy birthday to oh, wow. you! Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listen. Right, that's yeah. my daughter's old weird headband that oh, accidentally I wore always... into work once. Oh, it's got a big flower on it. Oh, People looking so, me on, and then I realised that your headband being stolen. And that yeah. is because I'm too much of a lazy slag to bake for you. Oh, so I've got something from a dessert bar. How does this? How does one pronounce this? Koi, koi. <gasps> what is it? I know. Check it out. Isn't it beautiful? Oh, my God. It's, it's like a little... We'll have to take it's a photo. It's a thing in a jar. And um, put it on the thing. And oh it God. is so beautiful. I will tell you what it is because I took a picture of the... Okay, it's called Moss in a Jar. This is what the modern dessert now is. Wow. It's called Moss in a Jar. Have you noticed that desserts, like, the more they sound like, you know, like dirt in a in a shovel? <laughs> Ass wipe the dessert. Oh my god! I just apologise. I decided the other day that I need to use the word asswipe more regularly. Are you still drunk from the budget after party? Yes, I am. Right. Uh, I'm going to be breathalysed shortly because that's the way under this this new budget. (laughs) That's right, and then your celery's going to be done. I'm also stoned as a monkey. (laughs) Anyway, moss in a jar, caramelised white chocolate, pistachio mousse, caramel jelly with vanilla, Matcha soil, because there must always be matcha. Mm, matcha. Apple jelly, oh. pistachio sponge, oh. and dill. Have you got a do couple of mind? spoons here? I do, because I am organised. Here we okay, go. Awesome. Well I'm, done. I'm going to take a picture of it so that we can post it. Um, so this is this the dessert bar that was actually successfully opened by a former MasterChef contestant uh, called Reynold. Right. A couple of years back. And he's basically started that thing where now every contestant that's on MasterChef always wants to open a dessert bar. Oh, okay. Because he did it. Right. Now everyone thinks they can do it. it. Look, Um, I'm not going to lie, it looks a little bit like a cross between a science experiment and a terrarium. Yeah. Yeah, it's in a jar. Yeah. And it's like, let's not, it's got what looks like a sea sponge on it, but I believe that's a sponge uh, that, that would be the. The, it's it's going to be some sort of pistachio yeah. or something. Anyway, just go. I've got two spoons. One plastic, yeah. one lovely silver one, and you get the silver one because oh, it's your birthday. Oh, that's so nice. And right. also, I'll hold that phone while you bog so in. I can give the verdict, right? I'll try and get a little bit mm. of all of the bits of sea sponge and 
what looks like sort of bird poo and <laughs> avian <laughs> excrement. Avian excrement and all right. Delicious. Excellent. <laughs> oh yeah, yum. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what you think. Alright. Okay. I'm giving her a red hot go. Um now yeah. just while you do that, yeah. remind me. When I popped downstairs, mm-hmm. there was a lovely oh, yeah. um big bag waiting for me from the lady who owns the house that I used to live in, mm-hmm. where mail still shows up because I'm too slack to you know, change everything. Oh, that's nice um, of her. Yeah, really, really nice of her, given that I haven't lived there for several years. Um, and she said... Any news of the fairy wrens? <laughs> no. Oh. But she said that um, she had a rough time recently after the birth of her second child, and she found the podcast really super helpful at cheering her up, which was, I thought, really nice. I love it when people tell me things like that. And um, I was at a event for Mia Friedman's book, interviewing her live, and a lady came up to me at the end and she said she's not much into the baking, but she gave me some lovely tulips. Um, wow. And a very nice letter which said that she had been in hospital for some back surgery and also found that the podcast sort of kept her chugging along. We're a bit, we're a bit hit with the people who are immobilised <laughs> in some way. <laughs> Why is that? I don't exactly. Know. Um, um, and also, can I thank, there was a lovely woman at the Canberra Times and a lovely young man last night um, from ABC Regional who gave me some biscuits that were baked and the Canberra Times girl gave you some cake for us to have correct in the budget lockup. Yeah. Um that so was delicious. Nice. It was um yeah, it was a good it was a good lock up for cake. Mm. Um uh what was I gonna say? Just love it. I can't remember. Very yummy. Um how was the budget lock up for you? Oh well actually it was it was really it was really fun and interesting budget to report on actually. Yeah it was actually um was my favourite moment in the lockup though was did you did you see this? Because we were like um, there's these giant rooms that normally function as committee rooms and um, they sort of set up tables and you sort of go in there and find your ancient ABC laptop, which, you know, doubles as an artificial reef the rest of the year. Those things are so bad. Um, and uh, I sat down at mine and you were sitting a couple seats up. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of me um, was, I was opposite Chris Richardson, always, always useful. Like if you're going to sit in one of those things, definitely sit next to somebody who does nothing else the whole time but For read sure. those documents. Um, and then on the other side of me was Laurie Oakes, who kind of turned up, sat down and starts, you know, combing through this document. And there's this awful part of the budget lockup where the treasurer comes in, trailed by cameras and lights and stuff, and ambles around making oh, awkward conversations so with awkward. various correspondents. It's so bad. Like, you, really. And I, as he came up to me, I happened to be kneeling next to Chris Richards. And so I was like sort of Scott's waist height. Which yes. Was incredibly awkward. Just peak awkward, basically. <laughs> You're in the ass-kissing position already. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'd forgotten that, but yes. Yes, you're right. Amusing mental image. And um, anyway, so then, um, so Scott Morrison kind of approaches the ABC sort of group and then sees Laurie Oakes and basically does this yeah. all U-turn. Like, he does a dog leg. He's like, excuse me, i just got to say hello to Laurie. Anyway, and there's these cameras everywhere. Like, it's terrible. And he walks up to Laurie Oates and says, G'day, Laurie! You know, kind of like, oh, you're reading my work. And Laurie just looks up and just says, no thanks. And then looks back at his budget. He just totally iced him. It was the most... 
It was, oh my God. It was, I knew, oh, I didn't it know Laurie said no thanks. No I got, thanks. I, I, I was still no on thanks. my knees at that point, so I couldn't see what was happening. But I got the vibe that, I, I saw Scott make the immediate beeline to Laurie and then immediately just like do the reverse ferret and get away from Laurie. Yeah. And I thought, oh, Laurie's blanked him or something, but I didn't yeah. realise. Oh he... yeah, it was a total burn. And like, it's just, that's what I love about Laurie Oaks is that he's so... Hard line. He's just like, no, nah, I'm not going to have a little chit chat for you in front of the whatever. Uh, uh. I just, I love Laurie Oakes. Yeah. I just think he's his analysis is so smart. And also, good. he's awesome. a very, very funny man as well, oh, um, is he? which I think is probably not immediately apparent in his public persona. He's got a very wry sense of humour. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Mm. I don't know Laurie super well. I'm just a great admirer and respecter of his work, and I just like all of his values that he stands for. Yeah. And I mean, there's nobody in this era. I mean. No one's ever going to be as famous as a journalist as Laurie Oakes. Yeah. He's just a giant. Yeah. It's like Laurie Oakes, Daylight, and then, you know, yeah. everybody else. Um, did you go out last night after you came off air? I did, actually. You oh, speaking of to... coming off air, do you know we got busted in the background of live television eating pizza? Yeah, I did, I did know that because <laughs> all these people on Twitter started contacting me and saying, how's that pizza? How's that pizza going down? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And I... Just didn't quite twig, but we were fully in the background of Greg Jennett's shot, just yeah. like hoeing into this Scoffing pizza. It down. Yeah. I found the last vegetarian you pizza, did. which well is um, not a routine oh. event. Usually it's gone. Mm. You know, the, the, the... I was amazed someone had the manners to even order a vegetarian <laughs> pizza. Yeah, well, it's freaks everywhere. <laughs> um, so, did you then go mm. out after that? Mm. I did. Sorry, I went to meet now. our friend Helen McCabe, yep. whose birthday it was, and then. I was inveigled to go to the public bar now, in Monica, which is, is where everybody goes. And it was, now, it's interesting that you claim that you were inveigled because mm. it just so happens that our other friend, Hello. Bryce... Hello. He was the inveigler. He sent me a text message early this morning and said, I just want you to know that regardless of what Crab says, she's going to claim that she was pushed into going out, but yeah. she was a very willing participant. I was pretty much mu- mugged. You knew you were going to play that card. Yeah, but... I played it. I got nothing else. <laughs> um... But it is not the most exciting night out that I've even had in the last two weeks. No, me either. You know where this is going, don't you? I do know where this is going. So, uh, I uh, I interviewed Armando Iannucci on stage. Clang! Uh, last Wednesday. And then on the Tuesday night, of course, you and I both went to see him at the Sydney Town Hall and afterwards had dinner with him. We did. We very, very kindly, thanks to the Sydney Writers' Festival, who were hosting that event, they had a very little dinner afterwards and we got to go. Which Which was, yeah. And look... Listeners will know my liking, you know, of an early night, of not going to parties, of all of that stuff. I think it speaks volumes for how much I love Veep, that the dinner didn't even start until 10.15pm. It was unbelievable. I felt yeah. like videoing the whole thing. Just, you know, It was like that bit where David Attenborough finally gets the footage of the snow leopard, you know, after the guy's been camping out on the mountainside like for six months. And he just, they just get two seconds of the snow leopard scratching its ass. And then disappearing back into the snow. That's what it was like. I'm like, wow, we haven't even ordered and it's 10.30. It was like quite anxious making. I was having a sort of difficult uh, time sort of thinking, oh my God, I'm normally in bed at this time. Yeah. I haven't even, haven't even ordered. I, haven't even I was just waiting drink. to see if you're going to shut down Iannucci. <laughs> well, it's been a lovely night. Thank you, Armando. You're very clever. Anyway, I have a more, I have a, I have a more treasured recollection of that night than, um, 
than watching you be out late. And that was, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Yes, I do. Okay, so I'm just going to tell this story. It's very, very funny. Uh, we were, um, you know, initially did two shows at the Sydney Town Hall. First of all, interviewed by Ben Law. Second, interviewed by Chris Taylor. And he, like, he fronted up both times full of energy, even though he was jet-lagged and he was, um, you know, losing his voice. Then the Sydney Writers Festival people kept running out and getting him bags and bags of like Monica honey and mm. lemons and you know lim sip and things. Anyway, so after the thing, we're all leaving Town Hall to go to this restaurant, and I'm walking along with Sales, who uh, coming to the street sees this like <laughs> row of cars um, and says, "So." Uh, to no one in particular. How are we getting to this restaurant? Uh, uh, do we just get in these cars? Like, are these I our cars? I believe my exact words were, is that my car? Is that my car? Is that my car? And <laughs> Bryce, who was there, and I are just like, ah, uh, dude, they are just cars waiting for the lights to change green. Like, what are you... I was you literally working towards the first one because it was white. It just right. looked like a sort of, you know... Ubery type car. Can you imagine if you'd actually jumped into the passenger seat of this perfectly defenceless civilian who's just sort of listening to a podcast or thinking about, you know, having a sherry when they get home? It's like, hi, yeah, take us to Uber, please. Yeah, step on it, would you? I don't like being out late. <laughs> I just love to Turn that music down. <laughs> Just... I just loved as well that you and Bryce just, you, you immediately just went, oh, check your privilege. And then she said to Bryce, did you hear that? And Bryce said, yeah, I did actually. My God. Anyway, the thing that was so funny was you then texted me when you were on your way actually home from dinner. I'd already left, of course. Yeah. And you said, seriously, the only other person I've ever heard use the phrase, is that my car, was Bob Hawk. <laughs> You're in that special little place where Bob Hawkley go lives now. Enjoy it. Look, I can't even really offer anything in my defence other than that I was just eager to get to the restaurant and get the evening going. And just because we seemed to be being corralled the whole time. Like when I arrived at the venue, someone just grabbed me and went, oh, excuse me, Lee, would you like to come out the back and Armando's in the green room, Annabelle Crab's out there, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I've gone, oh, okay. And then I got corralled out the front and then at the end they were like, okay, everybody, if you can just come this way. And so I just sort of thought, oh, we're, it's just, all getting, organized. Yeah, we're just getting marshaled around. Everybody. It's like an election campaign. Where's yeah. my bus? Yeah, that's right. How do I get from here to across the road? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my anyway, God. It was funny. It and was I got funny. some one-on-one time with Armando at dinner, which was very nice, as yes. did you, because you were sitting next to him. I was. He was lovely. What a um, special treat. Can I share a little bit of trivia for Veep fans, which is um, he? we were talking about um, one of my favourite characters, who's Kent, who's mm. the sort of statistician-type statistician dude, and um, Gary Cole is the name of the actor, who I just think he's fantastic in everything. He's always really funny. And Armando said when they do the table read of an episode... The only person who literally gets a laugh every single line is Gary Cole. Wow. Yeah, he just said he the guy's just so something about. And they said he is so funny that we've deliberately with that character tried to par his lines back to be as brief as yeah. possible because he can pack so much into so little. Um, so yeah, that was I loved hearing that. Given what a big Gary Cole fan I am. Um, I'll tell a story that um, uh, Armando told in Melbourne. Um, we were talking um, for the Wheeler Centre, and that's 
actually up online now if you want to watch it, um, which you should because he's really good. Um, we had a final question and we were kind of like running over. And you know that thing where you want to kind of finish on a bit of a kind of uplifting or sort of funny point? The second to last question was like quite reflective and a bit sort of downbeat. And I thought, oh, I'll take the risk of, ask, of taking another question. And I did. And the, the question, which was a great question, um, was, oh, look, have you, have you ever self-censored, written a line that you just think is too offensive and appalling um, to broadcast? You know, which would have to be pretty terrible because, obviously, oh, they put yeah. any old shit to wear. Um, and, um, and he said, oh, no, no, but there was a line once in the thick of it which the BBC wouldn't let us broadcast for legal reasons. And it was apparently, um, this line was when, um, uh, what's his name, you know, the sweary um, Malcolm Tucker um, is describing something as inevitable. He says, that's as inevitable as what they're going to find in, <laughs> in Jimmy Savile's basement when he dies. <laughs> and apparently, oh and so... You need to tell this story God. and the whole audience just goes, oh my, I couldn't believe it. God. Anyway, and that was the end of the show. It was very funny. Oh, that is an awesome note yeah. to end on. Um, but my own private triumph in this exchange was that I got to be Gary to Armando Iannucci for about 10 seconds. Because <laughs> we'd just been talking about Gary, the Gary character in Veep, you know, the body man, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's body man who's like constantly following her around and like, I wish I had one of these people just whispering, going, that's Senator so-and-so, <laughs> don't mention the divorce. You know. Anyway, um, you know, she was t talking about France, and he said, oh, you know, that guy, you know, the one who's going to be the new president, what, uh, what's his name? And I'm like, Macron, <laughs> older wife, bit of a scandal. <laughs> It was a very satisfying oh, that's moment. awesome. Yeah, wasn't it so nice also to meet somebody that, you know, we're such a gigantic fan of and he was just really lovely. And yeah, he was a and... genuinely decent, nice person and non-dickhead. And also, his new film looks really, really good. It's oh, okay. a comic film about the death of Stalin. Yeah, which <laughs> is hard to wrap your head around, but I trust it will be awesome. It sounds great. Because everything else he's done has also been awesome. Uh, speaking of awesome, I particularly enjoyed in the past fortnight GQ's profile of Brad Pitt. <gasps> Right, okay, so I was unaware of this because apparently I'm just not a citizen of Earth, um, but I was put onto it when you alerted me to Marina Hyde's very, no. very funny takedown of it. Now, Marina Hyde is a goddess uh, all the time, I think, but every now and again she pulls out something just spectacular. Um, she did that fabulous one about Sting performing at oh, some, like, some Russian oligarch's and wedding. Valentine's years Day at the, at the survey, yeah. But her, oh my gosh, her takedown of the GQ Brad Pitt spread. So, like, GQ's run this photo essay. It was just, look, I mean, I think I'd read every word of it by, like, 7am, having woken up at, you know, 6.45am, because it was just so unbelievably riveting. It was like Brad Pitt basically just opened a vein and, and bled for them. He just, it was just him talking about his bust up with Angelina Jolie and how sad and pitiful he is and how it's his own basic fault and blah, blah, blah. But the photos that accompanied, so the content was sort of bizarre and it was also full of, I mean, Marina Hyde makes reference to this. It was very Zoolander-esque in the... <laughs> she said the whole spread was put together by the last three people in the fashionment industry who haven't seen Zoolander. It, it had to be because it was full of Brad saying things like, I've been working with clay and just stuff like this. But the photos that accompanied were just... 
mystifyingly awkward. So it's Brad, the sort of premise is Brad trolloping through the national parks of America. Going through a breakdown. And it's like they've said to Brad, okay, we want you to look sort of isolated and sad and lonely, but also sort of horny. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just this sort Brad of, shagging a gopher hole. <laughs> really creepy um, and just strange. And Brad also looks like he's lost a ton of weight. He is. Let um, me just read this little excerpt from Marina Hyde's piece, all of which you should immediately just go and soak up because it's so great. She says, I'd like to ask his agent slash manager slash publicist slash anyone remotely responsible for pastoral guidance, what the hell happened here? Do you understand that you should now carry the stain of Brad Pitt in America's national parks like the mark of Cain for the rest of your natural lives? I'm looking at a picture of Brad in the fetal position at White Sands. Socks by Brunello Cuccinelli. Brad brimming with tears at White Sands. Suit jacket 2250. Sweater 1380, both by Bottega Veneta. Brad in the Everglades. Looking like he could have six burgers and still weigh out for the 2,000 guineas. <laughs> and it's impossible not to wonder, where were you guys, you bunch of massive asses? Other, other than slyly reckoning that open heart surgery, patient's gown, Rick Owens, <laughs> spring summer 17, is probably the quickest route back to box office. <laughs> Oh my god, it's so good. You could look you could literally read that entire article aloud because Oh the next bit. At one point I'm gonna do that now, sorry. At one point Brad explains to the interviewer, I went through two therapists to get to the right one. Yes, the right therapist is so important, and I'm thrilled he burned through a couple of duds before apparently settling on one who would greenlight his decision to discuss the intimate details of his private life while hawking Ralph Lauren in a dank cavern. <laughs> So, oh. so good. Anyway, she it's must just, have just like laid back and had a cigarette after that one. Both of those things. Look, I just would highly recommend getting yourself, you know, whatever your favourite treat is to eat and a glass of champagne and reading the GQ and then oh, just back it up yeah. instantly by the Marina High. And then it do it just, all again. Oh, yeah. So good. So pleasurable. That was really good. Um, the other article that I read recently that also has really stuck with me, but not in, a, not in that sort of a comic way, but just in a like, oh, my God, that was amazing, was... <clears throat> Uh, a piece by Stephanie Wood, which was in the Good Weekend magazine in the Sydney Morning Herald, about her experience of online dating and this bounder that mm. she met online dating. <clears throat> Pad watch. It's quite a, um, it's a really gripping story. It's about meeting this guy who seems kind of like, like a nice guy. He's got a farm, he's divorced, he's got two kids. and Basically the story is about how sort of strange discrepancies appear in his account of his life and she becomes sort of a bit suspicious and then finds out a whole lot more about him in and a big rush. It's incredibly well written. It's like, uh, I mean, I know multiple people who read it and said they just wanted more, they wanted it to be a book, you know, um, and it feels quite novelly in the way it's written too. But from about two paragraphs in, I would describe the genre as horror. Oh, yeah, it's definitely, it's it's brooding. You know that there's yeah, something terrible. Something coming. is wrong. And um, it's it's I found it really fascinating too because there were bits where she sort of felt a bit worried and then her friends would say, oh, just relax, you know, like stop nitpicking and blah, 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 just have a good time, go with the flow. Um, and it's sort of that thing where I think, you know, when people are lonely, they're vulnerable and so she sort of wants it to work and so she's overlooking things. But then when it all 
unravels later, you know, the sort of um, just, oh, my God, the scale of his lies and just deception is pretty um, extraordinary. And it made me um, look up the word gaslighting, which I'd heard that expression before, like when someone gaslights you, which is that, you know, uh, they cast doubt on your sort of version of things. So, for example, one of his things was he claimed he couldn't see her this weekend because his dog had been hit by a car or his dog mm. was ill or something. And so he's running late because he'd had to take the dog to the vet. And then he's running later and it's because he's decided, I'm just going to stop at Mona Vale at another vet because I'm just worried about my dog. And so then if she says... Oh, I'm really pissed off because you said you were going to come and you didn't come. He's like, well, my dog was sick. My, my closest companion what was really sick. What kind of monster sick. are you? Yeah, exactly. So that's called gaslighting. Is that, from that, is that from the film? Gaslight. Mm. Yes, it is, indeed. So, it's a tragic um, film. Anyway, this guy was like just a world-class gas, gaslight. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's a tremendously good piece. And if you want to read any of these things that we're talking about, Brenda will put them on our website, www.chat10looks3.com. And while I'm at it, Jump on iTunes. Leave us a review. Go a bit crazy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> really. Um, talk about, talking about brilliant things, I have just finished The Green Road mm-hmm. by Anne Enright. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. I'm giving it to you for your birthday. Oh, <laughs> the very copy you read or my own No, I bought copy. one. Wow. I bought one and I've inscribed it so oh. you can never throw Gold. it away. Another one of these things. For mm. sales, with thanks for your ongoing mentorship and significant cash payments from your admiring friend, Annabelle Crack. I want to, do you know what I want to do as a game one time mm. is put a book in a book exchange and see if a chat 10 person can find it and return it to well, me. Well, read that. We'll put we'll it in that. the... Uh, we'll do it as a... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. All right. We'll see how long it takes yeah. to actually someone... It'll, we'll put an address in it for someone like to send 30 years later on our one remaining listener is like, oh, I remember you. Now, why um, are you giving this to me and why did you like it? Well, because it is a kind of a sprawling Irish family romp mm-hmm. and um, I'm not normally like a huge fan of those, mm. but... The writing is so spectacularly good, mm-hmm. and it's not um, it's not wittery at all. Um, it's about four siblings, and um, each of the parts of the book concerning each of the four siblings could easily be a, a little novella mm-hmm. by itself. But um, <clears throat> they do come together with their strange mother um, for Christmas, right. um, and that is quite an adventure too. Okay, but there is just like this woman is I'm, – I'm reading it because I'm interviewing her at the Sydney oh, yeah. Writers' Festival in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and now I'm kind of thrilled because I just love the book. Like, it's easily the best book I've read in some time. Wow. And um, – but it's so sharp. She is so observant, like really deeply emotionally observant mm. that I actually just really fear meeting her. Oh, um, God. Yeah, yeah. Wow, okay. Um, but there's this – one of the children, Dan, um, who is dating this girl but is clearly gay, um, <laughs> it's, um, it's just described so extraordinarily um, over the course of this chapter and I'm just finding um, – Oh, yeah, so he's just had this weekend away with this guy and they've sort of fallen in love, but he's kind of pretending that he's not gay. If Fire Island was an aberration, then it would be his last because Isabel, his girlfriend, was about to finish up in Boston. She'd be back in New York at the end of July. When the boys came back to the city, they had ten days to kiss and part, which should have been enough because Billy liked to keep moving and Dan wasn't gay. He was just very visual. (laughs) (laughs) There's just heaps of lines where I just 
hooted out loud and then sort of scribbled and underlined and um, I just it's funny it's so funny okay all right well thank you very much it's a lovely birthday gift mm-hmm. um, you don't have never Garner's most recent book here do you I do oh good because I just can I read you one little thing out of that just speaking of reading great oh, things oh no the, the Bernadette oh no Bannon. not the Bernadette Brennan oh everywhere um, I look no, yeah. I don't have that, oh sorry. okay bummer I've got every other book in the entire universe in this cluttered office but um, I'll save it for next time um, the what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, just a bit of happy news to report. Yeah. Um, remember how in the last podcast I said every musical ever, and why haven't they called me? They've called me! Oh, man, <laughs> of course they've called you. They were always going to call you. What, so what does that involve? That's going to involve me, I think, talking about a chorus line, but I was so tortured about what I wanted to talk about that Richard Carroll, who does it, said, here's the secret, you can come on more than once. Musicals. Are you going to take like the month off or something to prepare? Are uh, you going to sing? Do you well, get to sing? No, you don't get to sing because these people they sing for a living, so they don't have to like you know grasp any desperate opportunity to break out with clawed fingers like somebody else. <laughs> oh, well, that's lovely, yeah, darling. So that well should done. be quite fun. Um, yeah, I will do. I arranged that for your birthday actually. <laughs> I will do some serious research on that. Um, now, have you got any other little um, how long have we been going? I know everyone tells me not to worry about that. People keep tweeting me and saying, oh, for God's sake, for the love of God, would you stop worrying about how long you've been going? Oh, 28 minutes. Awesome. Anything else that you've been... Yes, the rest of your birthday presents. Oh, my God, so many birthday presents today. Yeah. What is this one? Let's have a little look. It's a, some sort of shirt. $15.99, Batiga Veneta. Are you my driver? <laughs> Tune in Tokyo. Oh my god, you're so dense. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's a t-shirt that just says, Are you my driver? <laughs> Really? I don't think so. See you later. <laughs> um, big thanks to our friend Gwen, who organised and had that made yesterday while we were in the lockup. Oh, you told Gwen that story as well. Yeah, I told everyone oh, that story. That's so funny. <laughs> it's just so, so hilarious. Um, can I just say one last thing I've been having a look at? Thank you, love. That's very, very good. Uh, <laughs> where am I going to wear that? <laughs> Everywhere. Everywhere. Wentworth, season one. I've started watching. Um, uh, sorry, season whatever we're up to. The yep. new season of Wentworth. Yep. Um, oh, jeez, I just love those ladies. It's so good. They do an awesome job. So shout out to you, Wentworth ladies, if any of you listen. Um, and the Americans starts tomorrow night on Foxtel. Okay. The new season. So I'll start recording it, and then maybe we can do what we did for V, watch one, and then yeah. um, pot it. I'm in. And we've been talking about doing a Facebook Live at some point. Yeah, we've been talking about that. <laughs> we might do it, I don't know. Do you know what, yesterday when we were in the budget, um, the ABC Bureau, someone was doing a Facebook Live near me and it actually just scared me because it seemed like they had lights up and like a tripod yeah. and everything. That doesn't have to be that way. Okay. It can be really, really low production <laughs> values, don't worry. Oh, awesome. So it worked beautifully for us. 
Brenda's trying to drag us kicking and screaming towards better technology. So rest assured, people. We're we just are. letting her down, you know, <laughs> <Again>. directly. <laughs> Not even using microphones, but going yeah. in the wrong direction. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Brenda. Next, the next thing will be like on papyrus, handwritten <laughs> with charcoal or something. Right. All right. <clears throat> are you okay. my driver? Where is my driver? I need to go back downstairs. Beep. <laughs>